it would be hard to find a single person that hasn't heard the name Walt Disney. The way he was able to defy expectations and naysayers to make the impossible possible is how he left behind such a grandiose legacy. He changed the world of entertainment completely, from movies, shows, and even immersive entertainment with theme parks. Even with all of these amazing accomplishments under his belt, he still wasn't satisfied. Once he got the idea of building a city in his head, there was nothing that was going to stop him. Walt said, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. Will this man be able to accomplish yet another goal that he is being told is impossible? And what price will he pay to try and truly make the impossible possible? Today, I will be taking you on a tour of Epcot, Walt's city of the future, and what ended up being the final moments of a man's life. Welcome to Strange Ride, where I tell the smartest man I know the weirdest things I know. My name is Savannah Verrett, and I will be your guide today, but you're not the only ones going on this ride. We have Shannon Landers here. Hello! And then, of course, the smartest man I know, Rob C. Tomlinson of Occult Confessions fame. Hello, I'm I'm back. Yes, welcome back, guys. <laughs> I, I had way too much to talk about with Epcot and realized that we needed a second episode. Apparently, so so did I. I feel like I feel like the guest speaker needs like a separate little tiny like title because like oh. here's the smartest man I know and, and here's Shannon. Someone else. <laughs> well, that's why and I put you first. You came first. And yeah, another right. person. Shannon, the the resident redhead. Shannon, who is also here. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm sorry we had to like stop your ride last time short, but like okay, we're continuing it, continuing it this time. So please remain seated. Your strange ride will continue momentarily. Where we left off, Walt got the idea to build a city from John D. MacArthur, and he had his Imagineers work for different companies in the 1964-65 World's Fair to test out some new technology and to see if the East Coast would even be receptive to a Disneyland-styled attraction, which would give Walt the funds to make his City of Tomorrow. And understand why the City of Tomorrow is designed the way it is, we need to talk about Disneyland. <laughs> so, yes. Still not talking about Epcot, but... There are very few important parts of Disneyland's architecture that Walt was praised for, and he put them everywhere in his planning for Epcot. The biggest thing was, and the thing that he used actually like everywhere, was a radial design. So the theme park has one entrance, and then like one long strip of stores and junk, and then there's a circle central plaza and from there everything is in a circular shape and they they also called it like the hub and spoke design so like the central the walt and mickey statue would be the like the hub and then all the spokes would be going to all the different lands and even when you were in the lands it was relatively circular because everywhere you went you'd eventually end up back at the castle or well the center plaza which is where the castle is and doesn't um, work so well in dc but i get it when you're walking and you're not trying to drive they purposely around made dc crappy so <laughs> the wagons would have trouble getting in there and oh. then now they can just fly over i didn't know that they, I, they yeah. made it crappy so the wagons would have trouble driving around we have trouble in our wagons these days no i mean like the, the enemy wagons <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh they couldn't get... get to the capital <laughs> yes exactly oh. that's what i learned that they like 
like purposely made the roads terrible and like all these go all these different ways to confuse people. But now we have planes. The capital's at the center, though. It is that. That's yeah. the kind mm -hmm. of hub and spoke. So you have all these roads, roads like going in all over places to make <laughs> the wagons, the enemy wagons confused. <laughs> the enemy wagons are like, it's amazing here. <laughs> Everywhere well, you shit. go, you end up at the castle. So that did not happen in Disneyland. And. Oh, and then the next part is the best part. So another thing Disney architecture is very well known for is the weenie. <laughs> Do you want to take a guess of what that is? There's no sawdust in it, I bet. Maybe. I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> Shannon, you have a guess? Is it a, is it a small dog or is it like no, an actual? Oh. But that's, I mean, but that has something to do with why it's called that. So Ooh. this is what called... This is what Walt called the giant pretty structures that you see all around Disney parks. Disney parks. So the most important one would be the castle. So Walt called the castle a weenie. Like, mm -hmm. it's basically, like, the second you enter the park, you see it, and it beckons you forward like a dog being lured places with a hot dog. And it's that the movie dog jumps on cue because someone wiggles a frankenfurter off screen. This is what Walt meant by a weenie. I see. <laughs> so... It was, so it's like what your three-year-old like sprints for. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Right. I mean, and that's like it, because you haven't been in so long, but like you know, when you get into Disneyland, the, like the castle is like perfectly center, and you see it, and you're like, yeah, I want to go there. Like it's it works. It it kind of does its job. So people want to take pictures in front of too. It's yeah, like the staple, like the got... big Epcot thing, Spaceship Earth. Yes, exactly. Spaceship tree. Earth, the big tree, uh, Hollywood, um, <clears throat> the Tower of Terror. And also, on top of that, um, there's a bunch of smaller weenies throughout the park. <laughs> so, like there is. Yeah, yeah, so like Space Mountain, Splash Mountain. Um, uh, there's like other <laughs> stuff. I can't think of it at the top of my head. But Yeah, the small little shop that sold beans. It'd be the beanie weenie. <laughs> <laughs> Jelly beans? It's <laughs> probably better than baked beans. Pinto, just pinto beans. Just steamed beans. But it had beans. to have a giant weenie to be beckoning people to come to the weenie beanie. Over yeah, here, we got your, your lima beans in this corner. And over there is your, your pinto beans. Weenie weenie. Got your kidney beans over here. So these structures, or weenies, would keep guests moving to the next thing. And the radial design kept the areas from getting too overwhelmed or people getting lost. Every land leads to a different land in different ways, so you're never really trapped in a dead end. And so it helped with traffic flow. And, and people were like, this is amazing. This is the most ingenious design ever. It works for a theme park. Yeah, but... yeah. <laughs> when you're on foot, right? As yes. soon as you get in a car or a, or a wagon. <laughs> It, it all work. begins to degrade. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, Walt Disney is going into designing the entire city of tomorrow with the knowledge that radial designs are top tier and that weenies help attract people to different places. What more experience do you need? <laughs> there you go. Well, one thing I also haven't mentioned yet is that Walt Disney loved cars until traffic issues started to happen. And then he was like, I hate cars. They're <laughs> a nuisance more than they are a help. And um, so he wanted to build a city where the pedestrian was king. So with all of that context, let's get into the actual design of Epcot. This, the entire land that was bought was called Disney World, and the city itself is Epcot. So just clarifying, when I say Disney World, talking about the entire thing, Epcot is just the city. So we'll take a look at the Epcot Disney World plans as if we were tourists first. So when you first get to Disney World, you would either fly into the airport of the future, 
which would feature a radial design, allowing planes to be able to land and take off faster. I'm not sure how. The design looked kind of weird, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm not Walt Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Or if you were driving, you'd drive straight to the entrance complex, which complex, which is where you would park and leave your car for the remainder of your stay. If you were flying or driving, you'd always end up at the entrance complex as your first stop. Here, guests would get on board a monorail that would take them northward towards the rest of the property. This version of Disney World is basically set up in a straight line. It curves slightly, but it's, it's basically a straight line. And every step of the process takes you more and more north, with the amusement park being the northernmost thing, being the, the weenie to yeah. attract people through the entire property. Oh, and then it had the two swamps on the side of it. So no unwanted people or businesses would be would be there. <laughs> Try and set up your weenie shop over here amidst these crocodiles and nude bathers. It's just buzz like, hey, Walt, how come people aren't out here with me? This is the best part of the property. All right. So... Are you guys ready? We've gotten on the monorail, and our first stop will be the industrial complex. Uh -huh. So this is where the companies who sponsor Epcot will have their factories and workspaces. Guests will be invited into these factories to get firsthand and behind-the-scenes looks at new technology. If you were to depart from the monorail, you wouldn't have to walk to the workplace you were headed to. Set up in a radial design or hub-and-spoke again, the monorail stop is the hub, and the spokes would be the wedway people mover. The cars were supposed to move continuously. They never stop, and when you get onto the car, like, even the ground below you, like, you get on, like, this moving thing, so you keep pace with the car and then you get in the car and then depending on where you are in the line it can pick up speed and stop but it, it is told that by the tracks below it and with the technology advanced it's not tires anymore it's other stuff but that's not pertinent but um yeah so people mover bunch of cars taking people short distances and the monorail was meant to take people long distances and faster so we decided to stay on the monorail and now we're traveling to the grand jewel of disney world progress city or epcot every guest that enters disney world will have to travel through epcot to get anywhere else on the property as we're riding through you will see that the heart of the city is enclosed and that in the monorail, we are up above all the pedestrians. Below us are shops and people moving around freely, not a car in sight. We won't be getting off here, but the monorail will stop here. And as we're exiting the heart of the city and traveling north some more, you may notice that people movers are set up above the pedestrians as well, and you see them taking people places. So we are finally headed to our destination, the weenie at the northernmost port of the property. Basically, yeah, Walt wanted to lure people to Epcot by using the Magic Kingdom, and he knew more people would want to go to the theme park, but you'd have to go through a city to get to it. Once you go through it, he was sure that people would want to stop and explore it as well as the theme park. So there were roads in Disney World, but you had to get permission to drive on them. If you were just visiting for the day, you'd park at the entrance complex. If you were staying at a hotel or a very wealthy citizen of Epcot, uh, you could drive on the car highway. So there were two different highways. There was one that was like level with the ground and that was just for cars and then there was one below the ground and be right directly below the car highway and that was just for delivery trucks and like work trucks walt believes separating these two types of automobiles would prevent accidents and he also said that he wasn't going to have any stoplights on his road and how was he planning on doing that he was making it a radial design <laughs> so basically just a giant roundabout circles inside of circles inside of circles <laughs> yes yes so we're finally getting to like the actual design of the city here and i personally think it kind of looks like a cake 
<laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not even joking. So the heart of the city is enclosed. So from an outside perspective, there is a big concrete circle surrounded by a green belt with a giant 30-story or more hotel that acts as the weenie of Epcot. The bottom of the layer of the city is where the truck highway is. I, I think it was meant to be underground. I'm not sure. The concept art is like a little hard to decipher, but I think it was meant to be underground. It'd be more aesthetically appealing yeah. if the trucks delivering stuff were not visible. Exactly. Then right above that would be the car highway, and there would be a parking lot on that same level if you were staying at the hotel in Epcot, and if you weren't staying at the hotel in Epcot, you were just passing through to get to the hotels uh, near the Magic Kingdom. And then the next layer would be the pedestrian level, and so this is where everything involving people and pedestrians would be. Restaurants, shops, theaters, plus anything else you can think of or need to live. And like I said, it was enclosed. So Walt wanted it to be like the perfect temperature all the time and the perfect weather. So like a stadium, like an indoor stadium. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's basically just kind of like a giant shopping mall. And <laughs> there would be skylights in it, but like very sporadically. Tough to garden. Yeah, and well, yeah, if you were a poor person in Epcot, uh, <laughs> hang on, I'll get to the rich people could uh, garden. If, well, cool. maybe, actually, hang on. <laughs> no, I mean, lights. On top of, like, all that stuff that people need to live, there would also be office buildings for companies that were sponsoring the city. For the shopping district, each street would be themed after a different part of the world. So the architecture, food, and shopping would all reflect what you can find in that part of the world. And that all happens in the center of our cake. <laughs> Once you get farther out, the outside layer of this like concrete mass would be the high density apartments and would surround the center shopping living area. So people did live inside the enclosed, would have lived inside the enclosed area in high density apartments. And so then above this layer, would be the good transportation layer. So up above the pedestrians would be people movers and monorails. The monorail kind of just goes through to go throughout the whole place, but the people movers take people short distances um, and to their different homes and such. Now the Weenie Hotel starts on the pedestrian level, but because it is so tall, it will stick out of the cake high above the enclosure ceiling. Surrounding the hotel on the top of the cake slash enclosure, enclosure would be like a recre recreational area for hotel guests. So basically like the very top of the cement block would have like tennis courts and stuff for the hotel guest. Mm. And then at the very top of the hotel is like a very tall spire and I, it genuinely makes it look like a wick. So like it looks like a candle, like it looks like a cake with a candle. It's a cake. This whole setup is reminding me of Wally. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it is a lot like Wally, which was also made by Disney. So yeah. <laughs> they were like, "Remember that cake we wanted to build?" <laughs> yeah, that should be a movie. <laughs> For how scary it was. <laughs> so outside of the cake, there is a green belt area. This is where parks, churches, and schools would go. There would be no roads here, only footpaths, and the people mover moving up above your head. I just want to point out again that the whole city is also designed as a radial design. So the hotel here works as the hub, and throughout the radial design, the people movers are the spokes of the wheel, taking people to different parts of the city. So the final ring surrounding our city weenie cake is the <laughs> low-density housing area. This area is exclusive for single-family households and would have a very limited amount of roads. The cul-de-sacs were designed in a, say it with me, <laughs> radial design. <laughs> it's sort of a reverse cul-de-sac though. So like instead of the road forming a circle and then the houses being around that, the houses make a circle and then the road goes around the houses. Mm -hmm. So 
everybody sort of shares their backyard. Yes, exactly. You would not have your own backyard. So you might not be able to garden in Epcot. Have a community garden. Oh. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's actually probably what it would be. There would be recreational areas, parks, and like paths to walk to walk your kids to school and stuff like that. And then also in the center of your like backyard, there would be a people mover station. So you wouldn't have to um, walk very far to get to your house from the station. So I hope that paints the idea of how the city would look. Is that... <laughs> yeah wild (laughs) yeah but that's just how it would have looked so living there is an entirely different story and arguably that's where the entire idea falls apart so this was walt's very initial idea for how people would have lived in epcot there would be permanent residents that would all work inside of epcot or at one of the factories in the industrial complex Every person who was able to work would have a job somewhere in the city. No retirees would be allowed to live in Epcot because everyone needed to pitch in to keep propelling the city forward. Every home and apartment would be built in a way for the easy removal and installation of new products. So you would essentially be a tester for new technology that was supposed to be being made at like the industrial complex. And when an attorney, Paul Helliwell, heard about Walt's plans, especially the permanent residents, he sent Walt a memo voicing his concerns. He pointed out that people who lived and owned land in the city would want to have a voice in what happens in the city. They'd want HOAs and a chance to participate in their local government. Walt replied to the memo and crossed out the permanent residents and replaced them with temporary residents tourists. So (laughs) (laughs) your employees are tourists. So instead of um giving up any amount of control or giving up any control at all um he said nobody in epcot would live there longer than nine months whoa nine months how do you get like experts in their field and stuff exactly exactly yeah so like so to me i see a city where you are basically a test rep for new technology you have no say in how the city functions and supposedly no say when appliances just got changed out in your home and uh and then you also have to work somewhere in the city and assuming you lost your job you would probably be evicted and then all of that happens in only nine months like so that means that the city is like getting new people to live in it every nine months constantly how do you do there's no shot no chance that this would ever happen but he was so like certain like he just he couldn't deal with the fact that people wanted to have a say in it because he was like i know what's best and honestly so like walt disney believes that he built the city for the people but he didn't he built it for hypothetical pedestrians and his own vanity (laughs) hypothetical pedestrians (laughs) that's what it is and his own it's pedestrian paradise (laughs) that's what he said he said the pedestrian would be king and honestly the only thing that epcot solves like technologically wise is traffic issues like sure the radial design is pretty cool for traffic issues but we already have cities we can't just demolish them and build radial designs now so it's like (laughs) you're not accomplishing anything so if i called up walt disney and i was like listen man my plan is to just walk for nine months he'd be like yes you are my guy you are who i'm looking for well is your job walking what are you yes. doing while you're no, no, I'm planning to walk, Walt. That's what I'm here well, for. Well, how does that make money? I'm king. Listen oh. to me. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm Walt. Walt would be like, I am God. <laughs> I am pedestrian. Hear me roar. <laughs> he wanted the city to solve all these problems. But all he 
would do is just create way more problems that don't exist in real life. And also problems that do exist in real life, but Walt said that they wouldn't happen simply because they just wouldn't happen. <laughs> he wouldn't <laughs> let them happen. Like, were there hospitals, things like that? There were, there okay. were. I, so you were allowed to be sick yes, or injured. Yes, Could, there yeah. would be hospitals and fire stations. I think that they were, like, on the outside of the high-density apartments. Um, Did he he own the schools and all like that all belonged yes. to him? That, so yeah, so there's no civic function at all. No, everything belongs to Disney. Disney is the sole property owner on this place. Actually, the grocery me... stores you're buying, you're both being paid by him and you're paying him for all your. So this is like old school. This was depressionary stuff. This is like company store. Yeah, the company. old yeah, like California plantations. <laughs> yes, Epcot will be a planned controlled community a showcase for American industry and research, schools, cultural, and educational opportunities. There will be no slums because we won't let them develop. There will be no landowners and therefore no voting control. People will rent houses instead of buying them, and at modest rentals. So on top of being a dust rat and having absolutely no say in how you live and how when your house gets changed around on you, you have to pay to live there. <laughs> like You should be getting paid to live there. Uh, you have yeah. to pay to live. Yes. <laughs> That's odd. Why not just take it out of your, like when you set the salary, right? Right. Exactly. Well, even then it's still prob- super problematic, all of it. But You're like a nanny or something. You're like a live-in nanny for Walt's thing. Yeah. For his dream (laughs) (laughs) you're a dream nanny yep you're mary poppins there will be no retirees because everyone must be employed according to their ability one of our requirements is that the people who live in epcot must keep it alive everyone who lives there will have a responsibility to help keep this community an exciting living blueprint of the future like we're talking about maintenance staff and all, right? Like there's people who just have to keep the appliances working and like move, remove the trash. And right. These all have to be progressive citizens of tomorrow, and they only live there for nine months. Yes. Yeah, it's bizarre. It him, makes no sense at all. Because he didn't want to give up any control. Um. And they pay the same. Like, is it all e- equal? Or? I don't believe so. So, like, obviously, so the Epcot plans are very preliminary. So, like. Maybe it's a little harsh judging everything like so concretely because like this was he was like, oh, the plans for Epcot are going to change constantly. But those ideas stayed consistent throughout all of the changes that he was making. So I can't imagine that he was going to think that much differently. I mean, in theory, I mean, we could be generous with him. I'm bringing up these guys because I'm thinking about like Facebook, like the big Silicon Valley campuses where they would offer you free food. I mean, it was free. They weren't charging you. Right. But they would offer you the free food and the gym and the woodworking studio all that they, they're pulling all that back these days but i i remember i went there and my friend was working at facebook and that's how that functioned like these silicon valley campuses you you never theoretically had to leave mm-hmm. you could just stay you had an apartment somewhere but you probably couldn't afford to live in you know palo alto and that was i think the key problem my friend chris told me about is that the people who had to work at facebook not being the coders and all these like the guys who served the like who's serving you food who's wiping down the weights in your facebook gym Mm -hmm. those people had to live hours away because the real estate was so expensive around the campus that they couldn't be there interesting so it seems like walt's plan would have had a similar issue we have these nice single family homes and they're very expensive and very expensive appliances but your janitorial staff and your kitchen staff like they theoretically need to 
live in the same situation as your Imagineer. Yeah. Right? Well, I, I imagine, this is me putting words in Walt's mouth, but I imagine that the poors. <laughs> the poors, the working class, my yeah. working class who don't get to eat the Mickey waffles. <laughs> Staying with me at the Holiday I say Inn. This as a poor as well. <laughs> and I'm also speaking through, I'm channeling Walt Disney right now. So okay. the poors would live in the high density apartments. So I imagine that like the okay. inner city would be surrounded by the people who work in the shops and do all that stuff. And then the rich, rich people live in these single family I homes. See. And they're so the ones So he controls their lives too, though. My, yes, my, my he does. Working he class controls heroes. everyone's life. Yeah. He sets their rent. They don't get the nice appliances, though. No, everyone does. Oh, you do. All right. Everyone gets the nice appliances. Um, I, I can't imagine that they'd make you pay for the appliances. That must come with the rent because they're talking about, like, changing out the appliances constantly because, like... And these guys are really there for nine months? Yep. Just for nine months. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> do you know if you could, like, go back after your time is up or is it... They never really got that far mm. in the planning. It's funny, too, because so... Um, Walt had like a core team of people like he had Buzz Price and then he had this uh, Marvin Davis who like basically was his right hand man in designing um, Disneyland. He brought Marvin Davis on to do this. So those three were like a team like team Epcot. We love Epcot. Everyone else was like fuck Epcot. <laughs> like especially Roy. Roy was like mm, I don't want to do any of this. <laughs> right because can it make money? Is it conceivable? I mean, the nine month turnover alone well, makes like, it yeah, inconceivable. I mean, can it make money? And then also is it like are you going to be sued to shit you know like by all of this crazy shit that's going to be in Epcot. And can you imagine if there was ever a zombie apocalypse in there? Oh right. god. You'd be what all stuck in there. Yeah imagine. And if it's all circles so you can't get out. You can't get out. <laughs> You have to wait your turn at the people mover. <laughs> so, they can't be going very fast. No. I can't imagine arriving. Well, the zombies aren't either, theoretically. Oh, so and it's You're a- probably going at the same pace. <laughs> Walt said that the people movers, you would, the longest wait you would have for the people mover is only three minutes. So oh, maybe wow. you could run circles around the zombie for three minutes and then get on the people yeah, mover. Yeah, shambling along at the same pace as the people mover. So you're equally terrified <laughs> the, the whole ride. The people picks up speed. It goes, yeah, okay. it zooms a little bit. Oh, the zombie <laughs> mascot. <laughs> They're already terrified. There's the hole in the plan. Shannon found it. <laughs> zombie zombies. apocalypse. Oh, Walt didn't have planned for that. <laughs> Turn into money. <laughs> this is where we keep our zombies. <laughs> it's a Halloween attraction. Keep your hands and feet in the people mover as we drive by them. Yeah, don't let them bite you. So, although Roy and like other people in the company thought Epcot wasn't a great idea, at this point they'd kind of learned their lesson. They were like, "We told Walt multiple times things weren't a good idea, and now we're like bajillionaires. So maybe this would work." And let so, him like, roll he, with it. yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, why not? Why? Why shouldn't you let Walt do this? Well, I will tell you why. <laughs> he had already sort of tried and failed to make a little community. So after the, su- the success of Snow White, Walt and Roy wanted to build a new animation studio in Burbank, and Walt took over the planning of the entire thing. So he, he even had apartments made on property so animators would live close to work. And there were a lot of other problems that led to the worker strike in 1941, but apparently the new studio created a class system of animators, and that was the straw that broke the camel's back. So... You got better digs if you were 
a better and i i don't even know i i don't i didn't look too closely into it mm -hmm. um because i didn't want to get into the entire worker strike when we're talking <laughs> about epcot but yes um everything that i saw though people were like ah oh, working at disney was like cool and okay but then when we moved to the burbank studio everything changed and yeah. Walt did he tried to he was like he tried to calculate the needs of everyone and of course he couldn't do that because you can't do that it's not possible and of course he left people out and they this is what like led to the worker strike and stuff right and and on top of that it's a company town and company yeah. towns are notorious for being bad <laughs> they do not work <laughs> uh and especially when you have someone as opinionated as Walt Disney in charge of the company town because, like, if you just let people live the way they want, maybe a company town could work. But no freaking CEO can make let people work live the way they want. Right. So, like, Walt, and that's another thing. In, you can't control every aspect of a per person's life in a capitalist yeah. society. You've got to have someone who's selling you goods and someone who you're working for. But if you're, it's all in the same bucket, then that person has too much economic control over your life. Right. And on top of that, too, it's so like, like you said earlier, like when you lived in the city, by extension, you were working for Disney, even if like, even if there was like a Waffle House in the, the Disney yeah. store like that, you'd still be working for Disney in a sense, mm -hmm. um, because they're paying to be there. And then that leads into him arguably having a say over what religion you follow because he had the say of what churches go in. So he probably only put in whatever church he believed in. Yeah, none of our churches. No. Either. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure you could probably worship in your own home. But, like, if you want to go to a church or a religious space, the only religious spaces would be ones that he approved of. L. Ron Hubbard's on his doorstep. <laughs> yeah. Dong. I'd like to see what Walt thought of that guy. But, <laughs> have you um, considered Scientology? Oh, and then he also would have a say over what you learned in school. And basically, like, his well, idea... yeah, because he owns a school, right? Yeah, he owns a school. And so, like, it's like his own little world. Like, he, it's his own little... He's the king. He's literally the king, dictator, whatever. He ruled all of it. And what he wanted to make, like, a whole new system of schools where, like, oh, kids would learn through play. But then they'd also play on the computer and they'd take university courses from different universities around the world and then on top of that whatever company was sponsoring the industrial businesses and whatever they could make classes for the students and they could learn real world tools and tasks meaning like but also for nine months like, yeah, it's like, a... and then also that's you're gonna it. let a corporation create teach these young children this is crazy i mean like, if you timed it to the school year it would almost work and the like, kids just like fair, have but... that's their time at school but that would be a nightmare logistically yes and so the fact that walt talked anyone into believing that this city could actually work it, and be successful shows just how good of a salesman that he was <laughs> so like, marvin davis who was walt's right hand man with creating disneyland and the concept for epcot uh was quoted saying i spent weeks and weeks developing this plan that i thought was damn good of course there is the no having free will thing but another big but buzz is having a great time in the swamp yeah. so come on who needs free will yeah. <laughs> Walt's friends have free will. That's the only thing. Yeah. Um, another big flaw that Walt didn't account for was the industrial complex having tours and showing off new technology. 
um, wasn't something that they wanted to do. <laughs> the corporations. Yes, the corporations are very, they don't want to share their things because they're afraid somebody will steal it and make it better than them or sell their idea. Like they sure. were like, I don't want people coming into my factories. And one of Walt's biggest draws was like, oh, but you get to see the future of technology being built. And they were like, no. And then another problem that the city had was um, that Walt wanted it to always be 25 years ahead of the rest of the world in terms of technology. And that is a very tall order to keep up yeah, with. Yeah, man. <laughs> Oh. So, and you can even see that or, um, problem in Tomorrowland in Disney parks because um, there's like a, in the Disney community, there's a problem called the Tomorrowland problem, which is basically the same problem as that. Like Tomorrowland's supposed to be futuristic, but the future keeps changing so quickly <laughs> that they don't, they can't change it fast enough. So the right. Tomorrowland is actually pretty like outdated looking compared to all the technology that we have now. So like, and that is 100% what would have happened to Epcot. And so, Euro Disney solved that by creating a fake future as envisioned by Jules Verne. Yes. Which is a fascinating solution to the tomorrow yes. problem. And everybody says that that's the best Tomorrowland in any of the Disney parks. Yeah, I'm and sure that's cool. true. Yeah. I'd love Because it has that, that stylistic consistency of it. It's like the 19th century aesthetic, but it's a nice it's a nice aesthetic combination yeah, yeah it's really pretty if you're interested euro disney is so interesting you should watch defunct land's video about it it is weird it is a wild story yeah it's a strange tale but so like 1980 then you would have an iphone in disney in epcot right mm -hmm. it's 1980 and you're walking around with an iphone but there's no apps because they don't exist yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, with the technology, you're right. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. that's what he was implying. Unless you do, like you have social media, but your high school girlfriend isn't on it because she doesn't have a phone because it's 1980. Yeah. <laughs> and also, yeah, like you're totally right. Because like if that was happening, the rest of the world wouldn't have that technology. So you're the only ones using it yes. in this little hive. Like... Which, you know, given today, defeats the purpose. You have Wikipedia, but there's only like five entries. So weird. And they're all about Walt Disney. Yep. <laughs> so now you know what Epcot was meant to be, and it obviously didn't end up coming to fruition. And the end of the project's life shows a very interesting insight into Walt Disney's mind in his final moments of his life. So Walt drew the first preliminary art for Disney World in 1965 on tissue paper and only a year later, the people closest to Walt started to see his health declining. He suddenly started to mention how Epcot was going to be his legacy, and he was heard saying... Fancy being remembered around the world for the invention of a mouse. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, Mickey, he's silly, man. I don't mean to hurt any Disney people's feelings, but especially if you go back to the original Mickey, he's just like Bugs Bunny. Yeah. That's not... I mean, if okay, you envision but... yourself as the god, as king of no. culture, <laughs> yeah. and this is your thing, is that you made Bugs Bunny... But he didn't just make Bugs Bunny. I hear that. <laughs> he made, he changed the world of animation forever and the world of theme parks forever. But. But he didn't change the, <laughs> but he didn't change the world world forever. So he was all pissy about it. I think the Mickey thing, I'm, it's, it's the problem of like your most popular work can eclipse your greatest work. I think that's a common issue for artists, creators of yeah. varying stripes. The thing that you're best known for may not be the thing that you're most proud of. Like the band, yes, this is a kind of esoteric example, but they recorded a song in the 80s called Owner of a Lonely Heart. Now, yes is this prog rock group that does like these seven, eight minute songs. This is a two and a half minute pop tune. Everybody loves this song. You go on Spotify, that's their top song. 
does Yes love that song? No, they hate that song. That's not what they do. That's not who they are. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's exactly how Walt Disney felt about That's Mickey, Mickey. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, he also, like, he had a Uncle Walt persona. Persona? Persona? Yeah, on his TV show. Yes. Uh, sorry, I was just like, did I say the word right? <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yes, on his TV show. And everybody loved that, but he grew to, like, hate it because he's like, I'm not just a storyteller. I'm the genius. I'm the god of this world. I'm a five-star man. <laughs> he didn't like Uncle Walt. Oh, he hated but Uncle Walt. didn't Uncle Walt introduce, like, all these new, like, things to the, look at, I created these things and it, my Imagineers. And... Exactly. That's where I'm getting at with this story is, like, I just think it's crazy. So, um... I guess I'll it's like talk a about cult this. leader almost. Yeah, he kind of he was charismatic enough. Yeah, to you be people one. don't love me enough for, for me. <laughs> you only listen to me. <laughs> so Walt saw that the end was coming, but he couldn't accept it, and this triggered Epcot to become the most important thing in his life. He became much less social. He'd spend most of his time in his studio working on Epcot. Uh, Imagineers that were tasked with creating the new Magic Kingdom would bring their ideas and designs to Walt, and he would become incredibly irritated with them in California. Yeah. No, in the the Magic Kingdom that was going to be in Disney World. Oh, he World. was so he was living in Florida. Oh, he sorry. Yeah, I'm trying I to figure understood. out where he is on. He's in yes, he's in California in his Burbank studio. Yeah, they yeah, dedicated yeah, yeah. an entire room in that studio to Epcot, and they apparently pasted like Marvin Davis's um, concept art like 20 feet high in the room and whatever. And Walt would be in there planning out each street and his ideas for the city. So he's in uh, California planning this out. The Imagineers are also there, but they're planning out the Magic Kingdom that would be going into um, Disney World. Mm -hmm. But he's not interested in that. No, and not at all. And the studio is also cranking out movies. Yes. It's the 60s, right? And mm -hmm. they're cranking out movies left and right. Mm -hmm. I remember a story from this time. I don't know if I told you the story, Savannah, the Sherman Brothers, who wrote a lot of the music. Mm -hmm. He would have them come down to his office at this period of his life and would sing um, Feed, Feed the, the Birds. birds. I yeah. have that oh, yeah. down it's in so here. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. He's, like, he's clearly like... He's losing it's his sweet. mind. Like, it's a sweet thing. Like The first time I heard it, I was like, oh, that's sweet. But then you're like, whoa... These are two like top composers and lyricists that he's having take time out of their day to sing him the same song over and over yes. again. While he stares out the window while crying. <laughs> it's it's it, frightening. Yes. He he like lost his mind at the end of his at the end of his life. And I don't think it was because of dementia. Like he um he started well he's, he's still young right yeah he relatively like, dies a young he's man he's only 65 i think when he well, it's dies. like any person who developed so much amount of money and like almost like power like how can you not lose yourself he's distorted that? by it yeah like he was like calling himself a god i was like he well he, that was me oh. I was, he's not going <laughs> oh, no, he's a king though yes yeah. he did call himself yeah. king but the pedestrians Probably felt like a, a lower king <laughs> yes anyway so but yeah, he he literally could not be bothered with Epcot. I mean, um, with the Magic with Kingdom the magic. or the all the movies or the movies. Yeah, Shaggy no. dogs and all this flubber and all that <laughs> stuff is going on, right? Yeah, I loved those movies as a kid. All those live action crazy. The Shaggy dog is pretty funny. Yeah, but um, so have you seen the original flubber? I've movies? seen. No, I haven't seen the original flubber movie. Yeah, not with Eddie Murphy. It was just like this like rubber thing that bounced all over uh -huh. the place. <laughs> yeah. If you're like eight, that's delightful. <laughs> Roy, seeing how uh, unattached Walt was from the rest of the project, he decided to make his own committee to like help design the theme park, and he didn't include Walt on that committee. 
And Walt didn't care. And Walt didn't care. I don't even think he noticed. That's wild. So they said that the only times he wasn't working on Epcot was when he was entertaining his grandchildren. Mm. Um, but even then, he didn't seem to spend a lot of time with them. And he also started drinking more. And when when he would receive like formal dinner invitations, like letters being like, oh, come to dinner with us, he'd write in red ink in an underlined giant no. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, <laughs> you could just have your wife politely decline. Right, but he's like, no, like, fuck off. <laughs> Whoa. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. <laughs> for all the formal dinner invitations I receive. So, yeah, so then I had, I was actually just about to mention the Sherman Brothers sing. So, yeah, they yeah. came to his office, they'd sing, uh, feed the birds to him, and he'd stare out the window crying. Like, what? What? <laughs> that is so weird. Terrifying. I can't I imagine being to people singing that. And I, 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 don't, they, I bet they were like, I don't know. I, I've, I think I've heard them speak about it. Maybe I've heard somebody else speak about it, but maybe they must have thought he was cracked a little bit. But it, it's also flattering that this one song they wrote, of the dozens and dozens of songs they wrote for him, that he's that moved by it. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, to be fair, to do as much stuff as Walt Disney did, you do need to be, like, a little crazy. Yeah, so they yeah. And Walt, they, a lot of people described him as, like, a big kid, so they were like, I just like listening to this song. Well, I don't know that, but that might be it. I probably would be very uncomfortable sitting there playing whatever music <laughs> that is. Wait, so... Was he crying because the music moved him? Or, like, I took it as, like, whenever he was, like, terribly depressed, he would just calm them down, and they're just walking into the scene of him, like, having a mental breakdown. I personally don't think he was having... Well, he was having a mental breakdown, but it lasted... He was definitely having a mental breakdown, but it lasted, like, for the last year of his life. I think what happened is that, for whatever reason, Feed the Birds made him think about mortality. <laughs> it's my But that's philosophy. not the... I mean, it's a bizarre song for him to get upset to because, I mean, the, Mary Poppins, I'm going to go ahead and out myself here, was my one number one favorite movie as a child. I watched this thing until the VHS tape broke. Oh, my God. Obsessed with it. Bedknobs and Brimsticks was my other. So, yes, I was in that way a <laughs> Disney child. Uh, Bedknobs and Brimsticks, wildly underappreciated. I knew a lot about <laughs> World War II and Nazis before any of the rest of you did, but also witches. Mer this this song is a, is this, is sung in the context of uh, there's it's this child you know they want him to put his money in the bank but he would rather go and pay to buy some crumbs to feed birds yes in in the bird woman who sits on the steps who by the way was uh, uh Oscar winning actress in the Grapes of Wrath <laughs> in her adult like okay. the, this is the end of her life Disney sent a car around for her so I think. He sent like a limo to pick her up. This was probably like a red letter moment in his life that he was able to take this highly acclaimed actor and treat her this way because yeah. this was like her last major role. Um, anyway, he, she's this impoverished person sitting on the steps selling crumbs to feed birds. Yeah. She's an icon of poverty and of giving to the poor as opposed and she sits like on the steps of St. Paul's across from the bank in the story, right? Okay. And the bank is this commercial enterprise and the father giving all of his time and love to the bank, giving all of his love and energy to his job to finance rather than his children. That's the deep lesson of Mary Poppins is that he should be spending his time with his children, loving his children, not spending all of his time at work, not wasting his energy on money. Oh my God! And that's though. exactly what he did. <laughs> He's shooing off his grandchildren, 
and his entire life seems to be about no the poor they'll work themselves yeah. out. Yeah. But here he has them singing this song over and over again. And crying about it and not doing anything else about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like he's aware of his own demons. Or, I mean, the demons he's unleashed in a capitalist fashion. Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) Because I got into a little bit of that. So, like, okay, so after basically an entire year of his life being, like, dedicated to planning, drawing, scrapping, and changing Epcot, Walt asked Marty Sklar, who was an Imagineer, who became known as the voice of Walt because he wrote, like, so many of the scripts for, like, Walt's TV show and stuff like that. Um, And he asked him to write the Epcot film. So this is, like, about a half an hour long video where it just describes what epcot was i think i've seen pieces of this it's it's actually a relatively interesting video and i um i i did watch it for this video i mean for this podcast and after i've already knew how bad of an idea epcot was but watching walt talk about it i was like maybe it could work (laughs) so he's so convincing uncle walty says it's gonna be swell the pedestrian is king man king i tell you and then when we're moving pictures they're like i want to be a king (laughs) shannon's like i can totally get away from those zombies that people mover cooks ah damn walt you've thought of everything (laughs) so but yeah so he he meant this film to like release to the general public so that people would know what Epcot was, what it was meant to be, and like how they can help create Epcot. And then they also created it with two separate endings, one that would be pointed towards the Florida legislator, so like Walt addressing them deliberately, being like, give us the Reedy Creek um, Improvement District. Mm. And then the other ending would be directed towards corporations to encourage them to become sponsors for Epcot. So the reason the Reedy Creek improvement district is so important is because it basically gives disney the right to be its own little country <laughs> right in florida. Well, they have to i mean the schools and all this yeah and they need that to operate this city like I they would need to it explain to everyone what it is if they don't know exactly so, what it's been in the news a lot yes lately, it but... has been in the news a lot lately so i mean even i like I don't know so much about it, but basically all I know is that it gave them the power to do basically whatever they wanted within their own little land. Like they, because it, and what was weird about Disney world, like because it was such a big amount of land, it happened, it crossed like two or three counties in Florida. So they were like, well, what rules do we follow? And then Roy was like, Hey, like, what if we just controlled ourselves? And the Florida government was like, I don't know. And then, Walt was like, oh, but look at all the money and all of this stuff that you'll do. And they were like, "Mm, I don't know. So, but, and it kind of went on for a little bit, but they did eventually end up giving it to them after Walt died. And Roy basically just used it to be able to build whatever theme parks stuff he wanted. So, yeah. So, I mean, the exchange, to my understanding, Savannah, is that, you know, the government pays for civil services like fire and ambulance and all that kind of stuff, like in our regular lives. Yeah. So, Disney said, We'll pay for that. We'll handle all of that. We'll pay all the construction costs, whatever, in exchange for you not bothering us about zoning. Yes, exactly. I mean, to Disney, historically, with Epcot that you've described, would have needed the Florida legislature to be cooler about some other things that are in violation of American democratic principles. But in this context, I believe that the exchange is simply about, for the most part, zoning. Yes. No, for sure. 
yeah, because that's a huge part of building theme parks is like you have to get permission to do these things so they're like i don't have to do that now it's so big though that i mean i think the florida legislature made the right choice like can you imagine the state providing the resources for this enormous complex i don't think the reedy creek development or improvement district is a bad idea and the fact that they're trying to like get rid of it now is so silly but yeah that's like a whole separate story (laughs) but basically ron desantis is uh trying to take away their their power because uh they said that disney said that they're okay with gay people so you you didn't know about this i've heard about that part but not about like the whole like i guess i've heard bits and pieces but not like the whole thing very strange well because like yeah at the moment where we are recording this disney came out and said they're gonna sue them because sue Ron DeSantis and the state of Florida for violating the First Amendment. And then I think Ron DeSantis was like, well, we're going to take away the no-fly zone over Disney. <laughs> like, so it's, yeah. it's a weird story. Maybe I'll make an episode about that. But so... I mean, it's extremely common for businesses to get these deals. And there's a lot of um, these districts in Florida. Disney's not the only one. It's just, I think, quite large. Oh, yeah. But Disney's also a huge... I mean, the exchange is in part because Disney is this huge employer. So the state creates these benefits to keep Disney employing people. Oh, yeah. So I think DeSantis's bet is that they're too big to shut down or change their operation. But historically, Disney could take its money and spend it elsewhere. They don't need to keep developing in Florida. No, for sure. But yeah, so Walt filmed this on October 27th, 1966 a day before my birthday well not in 1966 but the mamas and the papas were on the radio (laughs) not even three weeks later doctors found that walt had lung cancer Mm. so like he was this sent him into like a tailspin he's a chain smoker yes yeah he that's like one of his it's shocking that the the statue in Disney World doesn't have a cigarette in his hand. <laughs> like, he smoked constantly. Huh. Uh, well, and then on top of that, like, right before this, he also started drinking more and stuff like that, and he was working himself sick. Yeah. So, like, that didn't help. And so, Ironically, that's how Jim Henson died, right after his relationship with, in my opinion, he died of pneumonia, not of lung cancer, but also a lung problem, and because he basically worked himself to death. Geez. Most people believe Jim Henson, because he was traveling back and forth to the UK. Mm. It's just it's a strange coincidence, because of his relationship with the Disney Corporation at the yeah. end of his life. So, like, um, so you think he worked himself to death? I think he worked Disney. himself to death. So, like, it, it, And once he found out about this diagnosis, it was like, Epcot was the only thing he was thinking about. Feed the birds, man. (laughs) I know. I guess he stopped listening to Feed the Birds by this point because he was like, I need to build Epcot. I need to build Epcot. I need to have a legacy. Even though he already had a legacy. He's mourning the life he should be living. Yeah. Dark. It's dark. Yeah. The more I think about it, the darker it gets. It's dark. It's a sad ending to the story. But so this is also like a really crazy moment. So Walt was literally going into surgery like the next day or the next couple days and it was um Marvin Davis and the vice president Joe Potter was like well maybe you should take a break and he said why are you dragging your feet is it because of money have you been talking to Roy Roy thinks Epcot is a loser but don't take notice of him Disney World will make all the profits we need for this operation freaking out at them like he's mad they're he said he doesn't think they're moving fast enough and um and then he's also like getting even more angry about roy and stuff like that because roy doesn't like epcot 
Roy's about to take over, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not for long. <laughs> so soon after that, he had surgery to attempt to remove the cancer, and it seemed to be successful, and he hopped right back to work on Epcot. And he left the hospital early. <laughs> mm. That did not last long. Like, he... I think it was, like, not even a month later, he was already back in the hospital. And once he was hospitalized hospitalized again, it, that was the end. He was on his deathbed. and But even then, when he was hospitalized, he did not stop thinking about Epcot. His uh, son-in-law, Ron Miller, visited him, and Walt said that when he got out of the hospital, he'd be leaving the studio to him and a few other executives. He didn't have a time to run the studio anymore. He needed to devote all the time he had left to Epcot. And then he apparently drew the seventh concept art drawing of Disney World while laying in the hospital bed. And so things were really not looking good. And so Roy went to visit his younger brother one last time. And this is a quote from Roy. Walt lay on the hospital bed, staring at the ceiling. It was squares of perforated acoustic tile, and Walt pictured them as a grid map for Disney World. Every four tiles represented a square mile, and he said, Now there is where the highway will run, and there is the route for the monorail. And Walt would die the next day. Wow. So looking up at the ceiling, he was seeing Epcot. Yeah, he was imagining Epcot. He was using it as like a map. Monomaniacal. He was obsessed. Yes, obsessed. And it was um, December 15th, uh, 1966, 10 days after his 65th birthday. So he was 65 years old when he died. And um, so, of course, everybody took a little break. His birthday is December 5th? I guess so. What would you say? Yeah, 10 days after. Yes, December 5th. Minus the 3rd. Whoa! Oh Weird. my god. That means something. I don't know what that means. Both Sagittarius. That's all it means. <laughs> you really like the, it means you really like Feed the Birds. <laughs> I guess yeah, we both really like Feed the Birds. I don't so, know if that's my favorite as a kid. Oh, you have been talking about starting your own country recently. So, yeah, that's you true. Know. We got a cult. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. So, um, <laughs> practically Walt. Yeah, that's in my mind. So, of course, they took a little break to mourn him because, I mean, well... A little break. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys, take the, take the afternoon. <laughs> Walt's dead. We'll get back to it in the morning. So that how was... soon do they freeze the body? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, they chopped off his head and put it in a cryo-freezer. Yeah, yeah. uh... We're going to need that later. Um, so, but eventually, once they got back to work, um, it, Marvin Davis, like, kind of gathered up all of Walt's final thoughts on Epcot because Marvin Davis really believed in the project and he presented it to Roy and once he finished Roy turned to him and said Marvin Walt's gone (laughs) (laughs) that is cold you better go feed some birds Marvin we're done here Yep. and with that Epcot was officially dead the project truly died with Walt. (laughs) Uh, But Roy took all the resources and put them towards building the amusement park and the hotels. He also took the Epcot film and met with Florida legislator. He played them the video and asked for the Reedy Creek Improvement District, saying it was the only way to make Epcot happen. Walt's death, his persuasive words, and all the money the park slash city would bring in for Florida made it an easy choice for the Florida government, and the Reedy Creek Improvement District was created. So basically, Roy was never going to build Epcot unless Walt was around. And so, but he went to Florida legislator and was like, oh, but it can't happen without it. And he basically used Walt's death to like 
and the sadness of like he his got a pity legislation yes yeah. he did he got a pity district he basically talked to them into like being like oh but walt died so like give us the the, the, the thing i bet that worked <laughs> it did it did work yeah, that's I how mean, they got it i bet that that was an emotional motivator though for these people because oh, he was sure. a beloved figure mm -hmm. and they wouldn't want his dying wish was to have the reedy creek improvement district yep and so, yeah, so this made Disney World like their own little country. And the governor at the time, Claude Kirk, turned to Roy and said, Mr. Disney, I've studied the Reedy Creek Improvement District. It's very comprehensive. I noticed only one omission. You made no provision for the crown. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so Disney World officially opened October 1st, 1971. And Roy would pass away three months later on December 20th, 1971. Mm -hmm. So like Roy basically was like... He had a few years at it. He did. Yeah. Um, but like not long to spend time in Disney World. And he basically like, like, like I said, he showed the world that Epcot was meant to be a thing and then died. <laughs> and now the company was like, shit, <laughs> the people think we're going to build Epcot, but we're not building Epcot. Yeah. So they eventually, people were asking about it. They eventually did come out and they're like, oh, we're, we're you know, the city's not going to happen anymore, but we're going to turn it into an amusement park. And then at that point, the whole world knew that like Progress City was dead and it was never going to happen. And so... Um, the park opened on October 1st, 1982 as Epcot Center, and it ended up incorporating some of the concept from Walt City, one half of the park being dedicated to emerging technologies, and the other half uh, would be a sort of permanent World's Fair. It it's called the World Showcase, and it has different pavilions based off different countries around the world. And one final kicker that I think is hilarious, Walt was very adamant that there would be no liquor in his amusement parks. And what is Epcot most famous for? Drinking around the world. <laughs> Where you go to each pavilion in the world and get their like signature drink and yeah. people are like drunk, drunk by the end of the day. And that's what Epcot turned into. And so yes, Walt would be rolling in his grave. <laughs> yeah. Well, then the Parade of Nations is not exactly a world's fair. I mean, it's not the nations bringing their it yes a world's fair would bring the national culture like some aspects of it but usually like introducing new ideas and things was an important aspect of it um, but yeah. the countries do actually like sponsor the pavilions and yeah stuff yeah like that. that's true um but, but they're not like bringing like this is the latest Norwegian no, no, thing. No, they're not. Yeah. And even then, like, it, speaking of Norwegians, is like they just um, replaced the one ride that the Norwegians had a hand in making with Frozen. So. Yeah. Branding <laughs> so the like, hell out of it. Yeah. yeah. Epcot Center is not anything what Walt would have wanted it to be. But it's it's a good theme park. It's a good theme park. But... Yeah. <laughs> it's a fine theme park, Walt. Yeah. Now, what? Where Walt... the pedestrian is king. Yep. Walt wanted Epcot to become his legacy, but what is crazy to me is that before he even died, he had a legacy. It's It'd be hard to find a single person in the world who hasn't heard of Walt Disney, but that wasn't enough for him. There is absolutely <laughs> nothing wrong with wanting to push yourself to try new things and to better yourself, but with his desperation to finish Epcot, you saw his true feelings about the legacy he'd already created. He like looked at it with contempt, like none of it even mattered. And it's just like, imagine doing as many things as Walt Disney, and then at the end of your life being like, that's not good enough like that's sad that's super depressing i mean in, it's now that we're talking about it again it's a kind of anti-theatricalism almost it's the fact that his contributions were cultural yeah he wanted them to be scientific mm -hmm. right like, yeah yeah or architectural it was exactly the, the well, i guess architecture is a bit of each but it was the fact that he was an entertainer and that his contributions were to storytelling yep 
that he, and he, he was, said that wasn't good enough. Yeah, it wasn't enough. Which is is something that really infuriates me about this. It's because <laughs> like, especially in the climate that we're in right now, with like everybody being like, animation is for children, it's not art. Like. It, Walt Disney should be a voice of reason that we can like be like, well, but look at all this stuff that Walt did. But it, now people can look at the end of Walt's life and be like, Walt didn't like animation. Like yeah. it was like, <laughs> I mean, and then also the company itself is in the process of destroying animation by doing all the live action remakes. And it's just like, and it's just is so sad and infuriating that all of the stuff that he did that was amazing and for like the love of the art, he just hated at the end of his life because he just didn't think he was good enough. And, and, and I'm wondering too, is like, because it, that, that was another thing that was crazy about it is his entire life, people criticized him and told him he couldn't do these things. And then he did it. He made the impossible possible. But then at the end of his life, it's like he believed them. So it's mm -hmm. like, I don't know if their criticism got to them, got to him at the end of his life, or like if he just believed it all along, but I don't know. Buzz Price apparently described Epcot as a project made in the last stages of a man's life in a hurry to do what he said he wanted to do. How I many of these buzzes of the world, like he's surrounded by these people whose lives are not storytelling, right? And he admires these people and can't live without them. I, I don't, I'm trying to get inside his head a little bit here. It's hard. He deals with a lot of people that aren't in that world. I mean, the comparison with Jim Henson, one more time, Jim Henson also was obsessed with puppets not being merely for children. Yeah. But I think the difference is that Jim Henson wanted to solve that problem by creating movies for adults yes. or that with a large, you know, wider audience with puppets. Yes. Whereas Walt Disney just wanted to say, Screw it. I'm not making cartoons anymore. Yeah. I'm in this. I do this now. Exactly. That would, yeah, that would be like Jim Henson all of a sudden being like, I'm never touching a puppet ever again. No, now like, I plant trees. Exactly. It's all about trees. Right. I'm it's, tree man. It's so weird. <laughs> and then another thing, too, is like when I was reading it, some people see the story of like Walt and Epcot as like an inspirational story where it's like, it's like, oh, if only he had a little bit more time, he would have done it. It's like, I do not see it that way. And I, then what? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then what? And then it's like, I, I would have it. a new project that he would like kill himself over. Right. Yes, and nine exactly. months later, he'd have to replace everybody. It would be a shit show mm -hmm. so it's like uh, so i see this as disney's true folly like they called snow white his folly this is disney's folly yeah. instead of spending the last year or so with and the aristocats yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't i can't remember that movie <laughs> like, but yeah instead of like spending the last year of his life reveling in his accomplishments spending time with family and friends he spent it obsessing over something that was never possible he never gave himself time to rest he drank more he refused to see people i genuinely believe that all the stress he gave himself for this project killed him like send him to the grave sooner and maybe if he just stopped and enjoyed his life, he would have lived longer. I mean, or, or at least he would have had a happy last year of his life. He sounded like he was miserable. And, so, and aware of it subconsciously yes. I mean, with the Sherman brothers. <laughs> yeah, it's so, in his head. He knows. So my takeaway from the story is like, is this like what's important isn't a legacy. It's living your life like here and now, <laughs> like at the end of the day, at the end of the day, who cares about a legacy? They only show up after you die. And at that point, you're dead. And it's not like you get to enjoy it. And even then, would you be satisfied with it? Because Walt Disney wasn't. He had the rare opportunity to be alive while his legacy was, like, there. Like, he had created his legacy. Everybody loved him. And he still wasn't happy about it. 
looking and planning towards the future is a good thing. I'm not saying that, but like it can't be the only thing that you think about. The Sherman Brothers wrote a song for the Carousel of Progress, and it's called A Big, Bright, Beautiful Tomorrow. And so I'd like to end with, if you're always looking towards the big, bright, beautiful tomorrow, when do you get to live in the big, bright, beautiful today? <laughs> That's such a Sherman Brothers thing, yeah. <laughs> So, do you guys have anything else to say about Walt Disney? I think oh. I've said a lot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite shape, Shannon? What's my favorite shape? Yeah. If you had to design mm. a city of tomorrow, what shape would it be in, and what would it contain shape-wise? What? So, what shape would it be? I want one shape <laughs> mu- mu- multipl- replicated over and over again. Everything is shaped this way. Uh, ovals, probably? <laughs> okay. And then lap yeah. them up to turn into like a giant flower. Oh, oh that's, that's elaborate but delightful. Very busy going I, <laughs> I'd want to make a trapezoid. Ooh. Trapezoidal yeah. city. Yeah. Good. Just a lot very pointy. <laughs> very <laughs> pointy. Keep the enemy weapons Sharp. away. <laughs> I feel like an ellipsis would be nice. Oh. Yeah. Star shape. <laughs> yeah. that's a star shape. Yeah, all the points. So many points. Our lovely voice actors were Andrew Mims, Brandon Walls, Luke Kinneman, and Brianna Literal. And once again, my sources were Walt Disney and The Promise of Progress City by Sam Getaway, and Defunct Land's Walt Disney City of the Future, Epcot. Well, thank you for uh, joining us on this strange ride. Please watch your step as you exit, and remember to take all personal belongings with you. That's the whole point! <laughs> I want a clean one that will! I didn't want to waste the time I have doing a sequel. I'd rather be using that time doing something new and different. You can't top pigs with pigs! Yawn! Wait, you'll let me design a functional city? It's a deal! If we could have bought more land, we would have bought it. Then we would have control of it and it wouldn't look like a second-rate Las Vegas around here. But we ran out of money, and by the time we did have a little money, everybody got wise to what was going on. We couldn't buy anything around the place at all. Fancy being remembered around the world for the invention of a mouse. Why are you dragging your feet? Is it because of the money? Have you been talking to Roy? Roy thinks Epcot is a loser, but don't take any notice of him. Disney World will make all the profits we need for this operation. Well, hot diggity dog! Ha <laughs> ha!